I already know what time it is. It's time for episode three, Hold Down the Fort, the big pod, the, the weekly pod. Uh, and boy, is it a damn episode. Uh, I just want to remind y'all, please like, subscribe, um, check out our other content. We just uploaded two shorter segments, um, one on NFL power rankings, one previewing college football playoff that's happening New Year's Eve. Definitely check those out. Um, share our videos with your friends if you can. Uh, anyone who would be you know, remotely interested in this stuff uh, really helps us out. Um, but yeah, um, let's see. Um, we're also looking forward to doing a, a club soccer breakdown with Rohan and Vinay sometime next week. Um, and I also want to reemphasize, we really, really want to see y'all, um, comment, uh, on the video, um, you know, what we should talk about next, some questions you might have, some hot takes we can react to all that stuff. Um, and, you know, kind of on that note of, of, of comment, uh, Rohan, we got a couple of soccer related comments on, on our last, uh, episode two. So care to kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really appreciate uh, the, the support that we got on our last episode and the, the, the comments from like our friends and and the viewers. Um, I will be addressing uh, two of the comments uh, under last, uh, under last week's video. But before we do uh, news is broke today that uh, soccer legend Pele died at the age of 82 uh, from his battle with cancer. So we wanted to acknowledge that acknowledge, you know, the legend that he was for the sport and offer our sincerest condolences to him, his family, uh, all of his fans around the world. Um, you know, he, he was the only player to ever win uh, three world cups. And um, he was the first player in my opinion th- to be ever called a goat in, in the sport. And in, in, in beautiful fashion, you know, when one chapter closes, another chapter opens in the goat debate. So the questions that were mainly asked in the comments below of the last week's video was kind of talking about the prospects for future, uh, for the future. Um, mainly uh, replying to our first comment from Sham, he asked us, which U.S. men's national player do you think is the most exciting prospect? And basically, who do you think will help them in their quest to have success in their next World Cup, which is their home World Cup in 2026, sharing it with uh, Canada and Mexico? So I wanted to take it to the group first and offer my thoughts. Who do y'all think is going to be the most influential player in the U.S. men's national team? And who do you think is going to help them, you know, uh, in their quest for World Cup success? Well, I think what we saw from this last World Cup is, you know, we were solid possession-wise. We played at a pretty high level. The one thing that we were lacking was the goal scoring. And so my, you know, most exciting prospect for the next World Cup and, you know, for future tournaments is Ricardo Pepe, a young striker who a lot of people said coming into this World Cup was snubbed from the roster. And, you know, it was pretty controversial that he was left off, especially because he had some really, really strong performances in qualifying, was one of the top uh, attacking threats for the U.S. in qualifying, uh, notably playing a huge role in a 4-1 comeback against Honduras and a 2-0 win against Jamaica at home. Uh, so he was in- instrumental in, you know, getting some goals on board, but he was also involved in a lot of assists and chance creation. He's a young guy. He's currently playing, you know, in the Eredivisie in uh, in Holland, and he's exciting. I-, I think that there's a there's a big move for him in the future before the next World Cup comes around, so he'll be playing higher level than he is right now. But his stats are looking good. Uh, he seems to have that hunger in him because – it looks like I was looking him up and he scored immediately the, the game after he was snubbed from the USMNT roster. This guy's hungry. 
the coach lit a fire under him by snubbing him. I think we should look out for Ricardo Pepe to be that number nine uh, for the future for the U.S. Sam, what about you? Uh, yeah, that, that was a good pick by Ivan A. Uh, my pick was someone who's, you know, he's already on the team, but I thought, uh, I think 2026 comes around. He's going to shine a lot more. My guy is uh, Weston McKinney moving forward. He, he was someone who flashed, you know, he, he came up, he popped off the screen for me. Like, I enjoyed, genuinely enjoyed watching him. Every time he got the ball, uh, I, I felt his presence in the game, his athleticism, his quickness. He had burst down the field. I think he's going to be a big deal for us in 2026, and he's just going to be in his athletic prime, really, like a lot of our roster will. So, um, you know, a lot of other guys, uh, Gio Reyna, I know, is someone who's promising, and there's a lot of young prospects who might make the roster who we feel got snubbed. But uh, McKinney is someone who, for me, I feel like he's going to hit his prime. And uh, well, right now, while he's still, you know, technically on the younger side, I'm going to consider him my favorite person going forward. I think he's going to be a real difference maker for us when uh, the World Cup comes to the United States in a few years. Yeah, yeah. First, I want to shout out Sham. Appreciate you guys. I shouldn't miss you, brother. Um, I think it's a great question. Um, I'm going to go with the uh, West Pines native, being from Hard Pines myself, Timothy Weah. Um, he's a 22 year old. Um, you know, I would have also like actually played against him at some point in my soccer days um, if I had stuck with travel soccer. Um, that's beside the point. But I think he's got a ton of potential at right wing for us. Um, like like Vinay said, we're kind of lacking. Um, you know finishing on goal scoring opportunities. And I think, you know, the pace um, to get us to that level, uh, I don't think pace is something that can be taught very easily. Um, but if he has a couple of years to kind of in, improve on his finishing and really build chemistry with the team, I think he can be a really valuable asset for us um, on, the, on the world stage. Yeah. I mean, all three players, I think will have a starting position uh, in the, in the next, uh, the next uh, world cup uh, in the group stage. Uh, but for me, I think my most exciting prospect who we all predicted will get playing time during this World Cup, but didn't was Gio Reyna. Um, coming off an injury, um, you know, we we expected him to be fit, and he was fit, but he didn't start because of a dispute with uh, the coaching staff of the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, kind of, I think, to their downfall. But I'm not honestly super familiar with the whole situation. Um, I think he has uh, elite ball talent, and I think you know uh, he has the ability to create. Um, a lot of chances and we we know he has uh goal scoring capabilities um i think you know with the likes of pepe and timothy Wea, you know he could be the kind of like the link between the midfield and the attack and you know be the be the you know the midfielder that creates chances also be the midfielder that isn't afraid to you know take a shot for himself and um you know i think you know the united states has one of the brightest futures in in terms of nations competing on the international level as you know, they were the youngest team at this World Cup uh, in 2022. So the future is definitely bright for the U.S. Really, really looking forward to see what they do in 2026 at home. Hopefully, they you know can make a a, a late, um, late surge or um, you know go uh, later into the tournament. Uh, but outside of the U.S., I also wanted to extend a question from Lukman, my boy. What's going on, brother? Um, basically, he was talking about a kind of international players. And kind of, you know, what the future looks like for them. You know, he mentioned the likes of Gavi, Pedri, Mbappe. So I want to extend the question again to everyone. Which international player do you think is the most exciting prospect? And, you know, who do you think, you know, will make a real difference maker on the international stage for a club or country? Does someone want to talk? 
<laughs> all right, all right. Well, I was I was just having a little back and forth dilemma in my head. I had a guy in mind for this question, but another guy kind of slipped in. For me, I think it's a battle between, you know, what necessarily might be the best prospect, you know, transfer fee-wise, scouting-wise, and who I just think is going to be an electric talent moving forward. And I think he's not so under the radar right now, but Rafael Leal is young. He's hungry. I think he's a top top three player in Syria easily. Uh, super dangerous. You know, just the eyeball test. Watching him for Portugal in the World Cup. Watching his highlights on Milan. I know uh, Rohan's a Juventus fan, so he might not like that. But you know, I I don't watch a lot of Syria, but I de- definitely tune into to the Rafael Rafael Leal highlights. Uh, he's just a really exciting player, and I think uh, moving forward, if he does make that big money move. Uh, I like I like him to go to La Liga, to a uh, Real Madrid, possibly. You know, he he fits that caliber of superstar Galactico potential, and I think he's really exciting. What he's done already, he's always cemented himself as a top player in Syria, and he's definitely has his his best football is yet to come. So, in my opinion, Rafael Leal, look out for him. Galactico potential, you know, just game breaking potential, Portuguese star. Love that guy. Looking forward to seeing what he does. All right, Sam, what about you? Who do you think? Uh, you know, another somewhat blander basic answer. Not so much of a young guy, but he's definitely on the younger side. I got to go Erling Holland. I mean, he just amazes me. I have not been much of a big soccer guy in the past, so watching him is, is frankly, it's captivating. Like, it makes me genuinely interested in what's going on, and it's completely sucked me into the sport. Just turning on the TV or you know, the YouTube highlights and watching him go. Uh, God forbid he makes the move where he can join England. I know there was uh, uh, you know, some wish England fans that he would have done that instead of sticking with the home country. But you know, God forbid he does that ahead of 2026. And England looks like a clear finals favorite with him on that roster. He He's a amazing prospect, a legendary goal scorer at such a young age, which is ridiculous. I mean, he's just magnetically attracted to the back of the net. I think he's going to be an amazing watch for years to come. And like I said, if he joins England, that's an automatic. I I would remember that England winning 2026 if he makes a move over there. My pick is definitely Erling Holland. Yeah, I mean, Michael, before you jump in real quick, I, I, I remember reading this tweet from ESPN. It says, if Erling Holland wanted to match Cristiano Ronaldo's 700 league goals, he'd have to score 40 goals a season until the year 2037. Which means like he's on he's on track to beat Ronaldo's seven hundred record at like such an unbelievable pace, and he's already broken like an unbelievable amount of records, and he's like still like in the beginning of his prime. So to your point, I one hundred percent agree with you. He's definitely someone to watch out. Yeah, um, I guess the guy I chose is a bit less conventional, but most people have never heard of his name, and and for good reason. Uh, his name is Francesco Camarda. Um, and the reason I say that is bro was a 14 year old playing in the AC Milan Academy. Um, and he scored 485 goals in 89 games. He's averaging 5.4 goals per game. Um, AC, the, the, the Academy themselves, they just promoted him to the 19 U squad where he's probably going to tear it up as well. Um, just the fact that he's playing kids that are five years older than him in an Academy is crazy to me. It's one of those, uh, young talents, um, that, you know, hopefully pans out uh, crazy high ceiling, high potential, uh, like young, young star. So uh, hopefully 
he does well in the future. But just those stats are just crazy. I mean, I, I, I could not mention him. I mean, yeah, let's see, let's see what he does, you know, five, 10 years down the road when he hopefully gets promoted to the senior squad and he faces difficult opponents. But I mean, yeah, to put up what five goals you said a game, that's pretty unreal. But uh, my pick also really isn't that uh, that much of a prospect, but kind of an underlooked star is my boy from Juventus, Federico Chiesa, just coming back from injury. Um, he He's only made, uh, I think, two or three appearances from us this season. But, you know, coming into January, he's been training really hard to make, you know, his return fully to the to the starting 11. And I think under Max Allegri, he can um, hopefully, let's see if, you know, Mad Max's tactics work out. But I think under Max Allegri, he can really, you know, become a, an, an elite player and become, you know, a, a top five steady out player. You know, we've seen him explode in big games, such as like in the Euros, uh, where he, you know, completely took over the Italian squad and, you know, became that that guy for Italy. And I think he he can become that guy for Juventus as well, especially with people like Pogba and Dusan Vlaovic around him, can really take Juventus to the next level and take Italy to the next level. Hopefully if they qualify for the World Cup final, or oh, sorry, for the World Cup in 2026. But definitely someone to watch out, Federico Chiesa. Um, I love that guy um, and, you know, really excited to see what he does this season and we'll be updating probably you probably throughout the season on his uh, on his progress as I'll be watching very closely. But yeah, uh, that pretty much concludes uh, my section. We really do appreciate Sam and Lukman leaving comments and, you know, having, you know, uh, this like debate uh, type of these questions. So we really are encouraging people to leave comments, you know, stuff for us to talk about we really you know want to hear what you what uh you want us to say and uh we we're always you know accepting suggestions so uh thank you lukeman and sham and hopefully we'll be responding to some more on the next podcast but with that uh, i'll hand it over to michael to cover our college football section yeah i also forgot to say uh shout out Lukman. really miss you bro hope everything's going well um but with that being said like everyone said we're going to get straight on to college football segment a lot to talk about here um, so first, we're going to kind of recap of the games that I predicted previously that have already happened. Uh, I'm going to just get it out of the way. Uh, the Florida-Oregon State game uh, might have been a little bit of bias involved there. I won't lie. Uh, I'll always root for my Gators. Um, but we did get destroyed. We, we got we got beat. We got dismantled. Um, but I think this game kind of tells us a few things. So one, it shows us how much we really needed AR, how much he really contributed to that offense. Um, if anything, it's a testament to you know his potential to play at the next level. Um Second, there were a lot of other, you know, major opt-outs and guys we didn't have playing. This is not an excuse. This is just saying this has happened in the last three years. It kind of seems like our roster and, and program as a whole doesn't really care about bowl games as much. Um, with guys like Osiris Torrance out, he's a pretty much, much a consensus first-round guard, the best in the country. Um, like the heart and soul of our defense, Central Miller out, Brenton Cox out. I mean, you can't win games with, with your best players out. And you know, that's happened to us the last three years. Hopefully that changes going forward. But I also think this is kind of a microcosm of a much bigger problem in college football. I will probably leave to it another episode. Um, but apart from that, uh, the rest of my predictions, not to pat myself on the back, have been pretty good. Um, so UCF versus Duke. Um, Duke, uh, my, my prediction was Duke to win 31-28. They ended up winning 30-13. to um, My analysis was pretty decent here. Um, Plumlee did end up playing for UCF. I didn't expect him to play. Uh, they didn't have to use that third string, like I said. Um, but they really couldn't get the ground game going. Their leading sure Isaiah Bowser only had 90, 39 yards on 11 carries. Not anything to write home about. Um, and I think them having those stars out that I mentioned earlier really did hurt them. Um, Duke was just able to move their line of scrimmage a bit more effectively, and that's how they won the game. They were really able to you know, capitalize in the red zone. 
Um, then we go to Oregon versus North Carolina. Um, I did predict Oregon to win 37 to 30. The actual score in that game was 28 to 27. I thought it was completely outrageous and disrespectful for Vegas to have North Carolina at plus 15. Um, I told y'all that was one of my best bets, uh, which I'll talk about a little bit later, but um, definitely I, I thought they were going to cover the spread and they did. Uh, Drake May um, is too good of a quarterback to, to not at least compete with a team like Oregon. Um, you know, North Carolina's past defense did step up, um, you know, to the challenge uh, that is Bo Nix. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to kind of see how both those quarterbacks do next year when they return. Um, then we got FSU versus Oklahoma. Um, I, pre- I predicted FSU to win. Unfortunately, they did win. Um, it was only by three. They didn't cover the spread. Um, the game just finished up a couple hours ago. From what I saw, you know, their defense is, is still has a lot of holes, a lot of problems. Um, but, yeah, I did pick them to win in, in a close one. Um, and then we have Texas versus Washington. Um, yeah, I had Washington actually winning that game, um, like a, a money line bet. And Washington is winning right now 27 to 17 against Texas. Um, I'm not sure what Vegas's logic was with, you know, Bijan and Roshan Johnson out in that game. I really could not tell you. But my prediction for that game was Washington 34, Texas 27. Uh, that could end up being the final score. Um, but yeah, it's looking like Washington might pull away in this game. Um, so yeah, my total record right now with our previous predictions is four and one. Um, pretty solid. Um, you know, if you want to keep hearing this analysis, you know, just sub, turn on those noties, and I got you. But with that being said, we're going to kind of preview some of the bigger games happening New Year's Eve. So uh, we got Bama at minus six and a half versus Kansas State. They're six and a half point favorites. Um, so for Bama, I think, you know, although the Tide lost a few kind of rotational guys to the portal, they got really, really good news a couple of weeks ago. Um, Saban announced that you know, they weren't going to have any opt-outs from their starting lineup. Um, you know, and that included guys like Jameer Gibbs, Will Anderson, Bryce Young, amongst many others, uh, Jordan Battle. Um, so all those guys will be, will be playing. Uh, and to me, that shows that Bama really does care about this game. Uh, they want to they want to win this game. It's not going to be like a game that they just, you know, throw another they don't really care about. They're not prepping for it. They do care about this game. These guys want to win the game. Um, similarly, on the other side of the ball, Kansas State doesn't have any opt-outs or transfers. Um, and the way I kind of see this game being played out is, is pretty simple. Uh, I think Kansas State is just outmatched uh, from a talent perspective. I think they're dominated uh, at the line of scrimmage. Um, I think Bama has the edge of quarterback. I think Bama has a better coaching staff. Um, I think this is really where Saban the warning, like a flare gun shot to the rest of college football and says, we're still Bama, even though we're not in this playoff. They're kind of mad that they're going to be sitting on their couches watching that game, those playoff games. They're going to tell the rest of the country, hey, we're still Bama, and we're going to come for all of you next year, um, so watch out. And I think that's the message they're going to send in this game. Um, you know, remember, Bama only has two losses in the entire season, uh, the first of which being to Tennessee by three um, in Knoxville, um, you know, against a prime Tennessee team. And then second loss was by one in overtime to LSU in Death Valley. Um, to me, those aren't terrible losses. I think Bama's played pretty well throughout the entire season. I think they, they hand it to Kansas State, uh, Bama 38, Kansas State 21. Uh, and then the second and final game we'll be previewing, unfortunately. we got to wait till what, September to preview more more uh, college football games. I mean, I guess we do have like the, the championship game, but is uh, the Orange Bowl. Uh, this I, I told my family members, this is the orangest game I have ever seen or I've ever heard of in my entire life. It's the Orange Bowl. And we got Clemson playing Tennessee. Um, that'd be great if they just both went out there in, in orange uniforms. That'd be hilarious. You just throw the ball downfield and hope your guy is the one that, that caught it. But yeah, so I think the, the story of this game really comes down to, you know, what version 
since it's really hard to kind of predict what version of the of each of these teams we'll see since they've been kind of inconsistent throughout the year, I think it's really come down to the opt-outs and transfers. Um, so for Tennessee, there's no Hendon Hooker. Um, he's he's been injured. Um, so quarterback two for them, Joe Milton, who went 11 of 21 for 147 yards uh, in their finale against Vanderbilt, is going to play. Um, you know, he he lost the job at Michigan. He quickly lost the job at Tennessee to Hooker almost immediately after after winning it out of camp. Um, you know, Milton is a, he's a pretty physically gifted quarterback, but he just lacks the accuracy and decision making the decision making at times. Um, I don't think he fits that system nearly as well as Henry Hooker did. Um, and he's also without obviously Cedric Tillman early in the season, early in the season, Jalen Hyatt. Uh, they're both headed to the draft. And then um, Tennessee also is out without their offensive coordinator, which I think is something that um, is probably underlooked. Um, they'll have uh, their head coach, uh, Josh Heupel, uh, at the helm calling plays, uh, which I'm not sure is as good as, you know, their OC calling plays all year. They they have a really, really strict system over there offensively that I think that they rely on a lot to be successful. Um, Clemson, on the other hand, is a very different story. I think it's finally club next season. I've been waiting to see it. I think a lot of us have um, with DJ gone. Uh, I'm pretty excited to see what he can do. Uh, you know, he came into that game in the ACC championship against North Carolina. Uh, he ended up winning that game for them. Um, and, you know, he has the arm talent. Um, Tennessee has also given up the fifth most passing yards in the entire country this season. Um, their their DBs are getting torched um, like no tomorrow. I think this is just going to be Club Nick dotting them up for most of the game. Um, Clemson also has all their defensive line starters um, going to be playing in this game. Um, at defensive end, they, they're a little bit thin, but those starters, man, are just crazy good. I think they're going to wreak a lot of havoc for uh, a guy in Joe Milton who doesn't have uh, a ton of confidence um, based on his previous performance um, or even a lot of experience um, recently. So uh, I have Clemson winning pretty handily as well. Clemson 41, Tennessee 24. I do think Tennessee will be able to put up some points, um, but I, I think Clemson and, and Kate Klubnick are going to really transform this offense and, and they're going to get things rolling. Um, I, I'm going to quickly talk about some recent commitments that happened. Um, so Jordan Hall, four-star defensive lineman, uh, the ninth best at his position, commits to Georgia. I, I predicted that to happen a while ago. Um, you know, he trolled you up a few times. I think pretty unnecessary, but a good get for the dog. It has continued to reload. Uh, Peyton Bowen, uh, we talked about him uh, on our last uh, pod, but um, he is a very, very fascinating recruitment. He committed to like three different schools in two days. Um, when he was selecting his hats, he had Notre Dame and Oregon at the, on the table. He had no clue what he was picking until the very last moment. And then the next day, he goes, he says, oh, I'm flipping my commitment to Oklahoma, a team that didn't even ha have a hat at the table. So um, he's a he's a five-star guy, uh, second-best safety in the entire country. He's going to Oklahoma. That's a big get for Brent Venables in a very defensive-minded uh, team who hasn't been playing very well defensively. So that's a good get for them. Uh, Desmond Ricks, the five-star um, DB, who I ended up making a sign for. Shout out uh, Barstool UF. Um, but, you know, Saban just sends another message to the, the college football world. You know, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. He's the second best corner in the country. Um, but, yeah. Uh, and then we got DeAndre Moore committing to Texas. And he's a four-star wide receiver out of California. And then, finally, another four-star wide receiver, Amari Miller. Um, he is to Colorado. You know, Dion said he's the best recruiter in the country. I don't buy it. I think that's absolute blasphemy. Um, but they, they are they are starting to get some guys in uh, Colorado. So the question I'll pose to everyone else here is uh, obviously, you know, the playoff is coming up. Who are our early bets? Who are we thinking is going to win the Natty this year? Um, I guess I'll start with Sam. Uh, since we did the, you know, the college football playoff uh, 
breakdown. I think you kind of already spoiled it, but, but who you got? Yeah, uh, I got Georgia on the repeat. I know, you know, not exactly the hot take pick, not exactly the, uh, you know, the wild card, but I they got OSU. OSU fans think this is 2014 or 2015. We barely slipped at the four seed, and now we're going to run the table. See, uh, Ohio State, two one two one dimensional of an offense. Georgia's going to cook them. I think it's going to look a lot like Tennessee, where they just make that offense look pretty much weak, frankly. And then they're going to move on, and the Michigan rematch. I do think that Michigan rematch will be close. I'll be fair there. Uh, that game should be close. I, I like Michigan's roster a lot more than it was last year. And it, uh, Georgia's, you know, this isn't exactly the 2021 defense dealing with. This is a slightly weaker, but still extremely elite. So that game should be close. But, um, you know, when it's all said and done, I just think they're, they have a level that's one higher than anyone else is capable of getting to. And when it really matters, I think they'll put that on play and, and they'll take care of both teams in their way, both Big Ten you know, juggernauts. I think they'll, they'll win this all. Yeah, how about you, Renee? What do we think? I mean, I really just can't bring myself to declare Georgia as back-to-back national champions. So, and I guess, like what Sam said, you know, it's looking like a Michigan-Georgia rematch in the Natty. And just looking at that uh, matchup alone, you know, last year we saw what happened with Michigan. You know, they got shown levels. They got shown the SEC uh, level right there in, a, in an absolute thrashing. Um, I have some relatives that go to UMich. They're talking up the Wolverines a lot. Honestly, makes me sick. If any of you guys are watching this, like, it gives me no pleasure to say that I'm rooting for Michigan in that game. It's honestly a lose lose for me from a fan standpoint. If you had, if you put a gun to my head and said, you know, you have to take uh, the winner, and if it doesn't happen, we're going to shoot you. Obviously, Georgia have to be the favorites. You have to respect that team. You have to respect the championship pedigree, the defense, their dominance. They haven't they looked a little shaky throughout the year, but, you know, coming into this playoff, they're in a decent spot. Um, you know, Jalen Carter, those dogs on defense, I think that they can still kind of retain some of that dominance that we saw last year. Certainly not to the, to the level of the 2021 defense, but I think that they will make things difficult for Ohio State. Uh, Michigan is going to have to run in and their smash mouth football is going to have to overrun that D line. I'm hoping it does. So I will say, you know, looking for Michigan to win the Natty this year, uh, that'll be best case scenario for me. And uh, that's what I'm going to be looking out to happen. Yeah. And uh, right. one other thing I want to add. Uh, sorry, no, hey, hold on, go. Sam. Let me, let me give my prediction, man. Hold on. What's going my bad, on? My bad. I'll let you cook real quick. Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. Well, <laughs> as the person who knows the least about college football here, you know, I think, you know, I still have an opinion here, Sam, but it's all good. But listen, listen, I've been saying this for a while. Y'all been sleeping on my boys at Texas Christian University, all right? They got God on their side. They got the underdog story that's yet to be written, you know, yeah, sure. They they got, you know, the face number one, Georgia, number two, Michigan, probably in the semifinal and final. But, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, I got to back the boys, you know, you know, you never know what's going to happen. You know, one game, can, you know, one game or two games can change, you know, the course, you know, of your entire life. So I got to back my boys at TCU. I do think that the underdog story is going to happen. Roll Jesus. 
And uh, yeah, TCU all the way. I can't believe you just did that, man. I cannot believe you just did that. You know, if you... Bro, Thanks, Doug. Me, bro, no way you just have gold Jesus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the fucking orange box, bro. Not the TCU Jesuses. <laughs> Yeah, we we might get some dislikes in this video just for that like two minutes feel we just heard. But bro, like first and foremost, I wanted to say we do not claim anything that just came out of Rohan. Uh, Stay tuned for the Rohan apology video. Short second, (laughs) dropping soon, dropping soon. You know, let's actually make a friendly bet. If TCU does end up beating Michigan and even making it to the the championship game, the three of us. Oh, they would have to beat Michigan to do that. Yeah, exactly. If they even make it to the championship game, the three of us will do some horrendous shit. Like, are, are, we, are the rest of y'all good with that? Thanks. Bro, I will but here's become a, a horned frog. I don't care. All right, not so happening. Rohan, on the other end of things, if TCU loses by more than three touchdowns, it'll fall on you. More than three or more than two? More than three. More than three. Okay, more than three. All right, yeah, sure. All right, fine, fine. All right, I'll give you my prediction real quick. I, unfortunately... um. Hate to say it, but I do think it's going to be Georgia again. I think they have too much experience in these big games. Um, Kirby Smart has really created a final machine over there um, in Athens, and I think that you know it's going to suck because you know I was getting a lot of barking at me done in Jacksonville the last two years. Um, and that first year they didn't even won the Natty. Uh, this last year was pretty bad. A lot of a lot of barking going on, but back to back national championships. I mean, I cannot even imagine it's going to be like a freaking like this dog show in there like i don't even know what what to i don't even know if i would want to go to jacksonville after them being like back-to-back national champions i do think there's a really good chance i really do think i mean obviously i'll still go um i want i want all the smoke but i think that you know i think there's a good chance that whoever wins that georgia ohio state game ends up winning i might even take ohio state in a rematch against michigan um but yeah i i unfortunately think it's going to be georgia uh, we'll probably preview that national championship game later. Things might change depending on what we see in the playoff. But but yeah, uh, one last thing I do want to very briefly, is, and I'm not really going to ask the rest of you. I just kind of want to just make make the announcement that you know DJ Uyagule, um did end up transferring to Oregon State. Um, My frisky you know, Beavers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And I, I don't like talking about them uh, just because of what they did in my Gators as of late. But they won me um, over this year. I'm with the Oregon State. Yeah, I think that, you know, this could make them a bit better. Uh, I mean, we know DJ was not a very amazing this past year, but I, I think this gives them some hope. Um, well, not that they didn't have hope at, at quarterback before, but I do think this creates a very interesting scenario where they can, you know, they have a lot more potential now. I think DJ is a guy who, you know, if he has a good season, he could really, like, take off the program. And I do think they could finish in the top 10 next year. So it's a really big possibility. They could just take over the back ball. That defense um, is elite. You can't write them off. Yeah, but they didn't stop our, you know, non-scoreless streak, though, so. All right, uh, Sam, you said you had some thoughts on the FSU game. Feel free to share. Yeah, you know, uh, big FSU fan here. You know, my UF counterparts kind of want to throw a little shade on the game, talk about our holes and all that. All right, let's start here. It is a bowl game. We are in bowl season. Nobody is coming out with some elite de- – throw the playoffs aside. No one coming out in these regular bowl games showing their top-notch defense, well, except Oregon State. Nobody else is, is out here showing their elite defense, all right? There's high-scoring games back and forth. That's what it is, all right? So the defense did their thing. No opt-outs, by the way. I know we want to talk about that. Jared first, first-round prospects stayed. 
Uh, I always butcher the safety's name, so I'm not even going to bother. But he's projected top two rounds. Stayed. Um, everyone played. Jordan Travis played. Johnny Wilson played. All of our guys. Uh, Robert Scott on the offensive line. He's projected to go to the draft. Played. So I love that. Our offense is going to be elite next year. Uh, with Hikey Williams coming in, Johnny Wilson, Pokey Wilson, Micah Pittman. Those four guys, we have to look at that and argue, is that one of the top five receiving cores in college football? Because I can't name you a better one off the top of my head. Coming in, it's, it, it, most of it is on if Hiking plays well. Most of it is on that. So if he lives up to the five-star, then we'll have that conversation. Um, so, yeah, I thought the offense was great. Travis was amazing. I loved everything I saw. I think we'll be rated top 20 next year, rightfully so. No, don't, no top 10. Keep them out of there. But top 20, I feel like it's fair. And we'll come into there. And kind of what Michael said about college football as a whole uh, with these opt-outs, I thought this year was a much better year compared to the past few. <clears throat> as far as opt-outs go, I thought a lot of guys stayed. Uh, Bo Nix played. Drake May played. You know, all these guys who are com- considered superstars played. Uh, so you, you got to like that. It looks like Michael Penix played. So everyone who can play is playing, really. There's no major stuff going on so i think that's great for college football um yeah you, that's what i want to see really i mean you don't want to see all these guys opt out and go to the draft if you have a superstar talent we want to tune in and watch stars play so it's been really a good year i think for college football as a whole as far as opt-outs go and let's hope this trend continues into future years yeah um i'm just gonna say a couple quick things i can't not respond to this so one Oklahoma had one of the most abysmal defenses in the entirety of college football this year. I don't think that your offensive performance. 500 um, passing yards, dude. I mean, for, for the 470, 460. Yeah, Oklahoma's been giving those numbers up like almost all season, first of all. Second of the all. The look good against a bad defense. That's what we do. Okay, second there of all. There were some ugly drops. We could have had a couple more. You, you, you're saying, all right, there, there's been five bowl games played so far. Duke played pretty good defense, UCF, or versus for UCF, holding on 13 points. That's a bad offense, Washington, Washington was, is uh, – Washington is playing good defense right now against a Texas offense that I know you're really high on. No Bichon. What are we doing? There's no Bichon and there's nobody. Guys, y'all are really really high on the Florida defense right now. Like, we played absolutely unreal. All right, all right, all right. And third and and finally, third and finally, I just will say, I think FSU will be one of, if not the most overrated team going into next season. These last two wins are against pretty bad teams in games they don't care about when you all didn't even cover. Like I, I don't, they're not impressive wins in my opinion at all. There, there are wins. A win is a win. I agree. It's a good win. Both wins are good wins, but I don't think that they, y'all covered. And I think that I also think that there's definitely going to be some business in the NCAA trying to hyperinflate y'all's rankings so that the LSU game at the beginning of the season is like a, a marquee that, matchup that be to make them so. I could see that. So I don't know. I see y'all being like a, fringe top 15 team next year. I and mean, that's me personally. I could easily see I'll be being placed inside the top uh, 12 or 13. Um, I will admit that Auburn's doing So if we open the, the season ranks 18, 19, 20, that's overrated to you? Because that's where I think we'll be. I think we'll be 18, 19, or 20, around that range. No, I'd, be, I'd be fine with that ranking. I'd be fine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, with that being said, I, I think we should kind of go over to the end. Yeah, we can pivot. Let me just, you know, get ready. All right, guys, moving on to the NFL. You know, we had some heated college football discussion. It was great. Uh, let's see Let's see if we can carry that on to NFL here. So week 16 recap. First off, last week, um, you know, 
it was it was an interesting slate of games. Jags Jets started it off abysmal game, you know, just really ugly to watch. I could barely stand to see how bad Zach Wilson was playing. I had Trevor Lawrence winning a close game in the fourth quarter. I credited that Jets defense, but you know, when your quarterback play is that bad, you know, I can't blame the defense for for doing what all they did and I mean, you can't hold a team to under three points when your offense is putting up three points. So it wasn't a close game like I expected, but Jags got it done like I thought they would. Uh, Giants, Vikings. I really like what I saw from the Giants in that game. Uh, Michael and I discussed it in the power rankings. I was high on them after their loss to the Vikings. How they lost, uh, they certainly had a very good shot at winning the game late. Uh, miscues and errors and a 61-yard field goal. I mean, that pixie dust of the Vikings carried them through to the win. But I like what I saw from the defense. Uh, my big thing to look out for was Wink Martindale versus Jay Jettis, the D- DC of the Giants. And Jay Jettis did his thing, man. Like, we know we know the man is special. We know he's a top three receiver in the league. I don't think there's a discussion after the season. Uh, he did his thing, and the Vikings won uh, thanks to some late-game late game heroics. Uh, Eagles-Cowboys. I was looking to see – uh, whether that Cowboys defense would continue to disappoint. And in my opinion, they did. Uh, this is a pass rush that is lauded personnel-wise. And essentially, they have one sack in the last three games. They got shut out by the Eagles O-line. Uh, the Eagles, you know, they cooked them a little bit on offense with Gardner Minshew, A.J. Brown, and Devonta Smith had very decent games. And it was a high-scoring fest. At the end of the day, Cowboys pulled it, pulled it away, but – I saw a lot of good things from Nick Sirianni. That offense looked pretty good without Jalen Hurts. And after that game, I'm just as high, if not more high, on the Eagles. And, you know, just as low, if not a little bit lower on the Cowboys. And we'll talk about them later, actually. I have a few questions about them. So looking forward to week 17. Things are coming down to the wire. It's my favorite time of the season. Playoff scenarios. Can't get enough of them. So some games to preview. Panthers, Bucks. You know, Breaks my heart that the NFC South is in the hands of this game uh, as a Saints fan, but I think it's a one to look out for because this game will show whether or not these teams are going to be any sort of threat in the playoffs. If it's a low-scoring, snooze-fest, you know, ugly offensive outing like I expect it to be, uh, I don't think either of these teams are going to fare well in the playoffs. Um, but I actually see the Panthers beating the Bucks. I think their rushing attack is elite. I have been on the record previously stating never trust a pan a Panthers team coming off a great win, coming off a strong win. But, you know, the way that they beat the Lions last week, a really, really hot team, uh, as hot as you can possibly get going into that game, and they steamrolled them. I think the Bucs are, are waning at the line of scrimmage. They lose that battle to the Panthers. No, J.C. Horn is a big deal. But, I mean, to see how Tom Brady struggled against the Cardinals defense, I think the Panthers defense is a lot more formidable. I think that Tom Brady really has an awful game and kind of goes out in, in sort of a, a non – yeah, it was – I don't know. The Buccaneers, it, it's hard to see a legend like Tom Brady playing so poorly, even though I root against the Buccaneers. But I think the Panthers make his day really, really uncomfortable. It's going to be an ugly outing. You know, we'll see if the GOAT proves me wrong because he, that's what he does. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a great game out of nowhere, but I have the Panthers winning that. Uh, Jets Seahawks, another playoff implication game. This is a do or die game for each team. Got to win to keep your playoff hopes alive. If you lose, you're done. Both teams are on a slump right now. Both teams are super hot at the beginning of the year. 
Everyone was high on them. They're on a terrible slump, both of them. But I actually had the Seahawks beating the Jets. Even with Mike White coming back, you know, you expect that offense to pick up a little bit more explosion with Garrett Wilson. Um, but even so, I I like the Seahawks to win this game just because, you know, I've seen more consistency from Geno Smith. Uh, they played the Chiefs recently on the defensive side of the ball, giving up 24 points. Uh, their offense was stifled, but I don't think that'll last. Uh, it depends on the health of Tyler Lockett. But I like the Seahawks to go to MetLife and, and pull one away and keep their playoff hopes alive. I think the Jets just have a little bit too much turmoil in their room right now. Just things have kind of gone astray with the quarterback situation. And I don't think that they have the momentum or the locker room right now to make that playoff push. I think their their playoff push is behind them. I think they're looking to just rebuild at the quarterback and offensive positions um, next season. So look out for the Seahawks to, to test them on the road. And Dolphins Patriots, uh, playoff implications for the Patriots, even though their chances are looking slim. Dolphins desperately need a win to uh, keep the momentum if they are to make a wild card spot in the playoffs. They desperately need this win. No Tua. And uh, I can get to your thoughts on the game uh, for the Dolphins fans here on the pod. But I'm looking for the Dolphins to beat the Patriots. I just don't think that the Patriots have the offensive firepower, even with even with um, Tua being out. I still think that Mac Jones-led offense is not going to be able to override a Teddy Bridgewater-led offense for the Dolphins. Just have too many weapons. Mike McDaniel and that run scheme, that 49ers run scheme, I love that scheme. And I think that they're going to pound the rock, going to test Belichick through the trenches. And it's going to be it's going to be an interesting matchup for sure. But, you know, with Tyreek and Waddle, two guys who could literally catch an underneath route and take it 80 yards to the house, I think that that's a little bit too much to handle for any defense. Dolphins squeak it out, keep their hopes alive. Now looking on to the marquee game of this this week, I don't think it's a question. It's the Bills and the Bengals. Battle for that one seed in the AFC. Battle for that supremacy. Uh, this is a litmus test for the Bengals, for sure. For the, for the Bills, I mean, we talk about the Chiefs being their number one threat in the AFC, but I think this is a game where the Bengals sort of get on that radar and say, you know, we, we beat the Chiefs three times in a row. We should be that, that team to beat in the AFC for the Bills. So what I'm looking out for in this game is I think that Joe Burrow gets his. I don't think that that Bengals offense is going to be stifled. Last week, terrible second half against the Patriots. Uh, we're going to see a little bit more consistent football this week. I think that that Bengals defense is uh, criminally underrated. I really like what they have at the back end and on the front seven. Um, I think that they give the Bills a little bit of trouble, and it's going to take elite, elite-level Josh Allen play for the Bills to win this game. So my take is Josh Allen plays at an elite Top three level, Bills win. Anything less, Bengals squeak it out with some consistent play from Joe Burrow. Um, but that's the matchup to look for, Burrow versus Allen. Who's going to rise to the elite level? Because I think it's going to take elite play from Allen. Burrow, I think he can have a little bit of an okay game and the Bengals still win uh, a little bit well-rounded with the run game. But yeah, definitely something to look out for. Interested to hear uh, maybe Rohan's thoughts on this game as a Bills fan. And last but not least, uh, I, I have my question. So actually, before I go into some questions for you guys, I just want to get your thoughts on the Dolphins game and Rohan, the Bills game. So go ahead, guys. Yeah, I'll, I'll go first because I'm like the only Bills guy here. But basically, I mean, yeah, to your point, we did not have a good game against the Bears last week. Um, our center went off in the first half, which kind of, you know, 
kind of, you know, stifled us offensively and, you know, defensively, you know, we, we just like went to sleep, but, you know, once we, once we came out in the second half, we kind of, you know, established, the, established ourselves and was able to speak out the victory. Um, a question, you know, to be answered is, um, you know, do we, do we have what it takes? And I think, you know, if we were to win this game, um, I would consider, you know, being, you know, very, very comfortable uh, saying that the Bills are winning the Super Bowl this year, even though I have been saying it uncomfortably, I would I would be saying it pretty comfortably that we will be winning the Super Bowl this year. Um, uh, interestingly enough, uh, Tyler Boyd four minutes ago says that the Bills' defense is basic, secondary, and not the best the Bengals have seen. So I'm really, really, really excited to see uh, how the Bills respond to this, and I do think we're going to give them a little bit more of a challenge than uh, than you think, Vinay. But uh, yeah, I think uh, like you said, Josh Allen is going to need some elite. Uh, a quarterback play against a consistent uh consistent Bengals defense after their horror second half versus the Patriots but yeah I do see the Bills winning uh at um uh at Cincinnati okay yeah and uh Sam and Michael your quick thoughts on the Dolphins game yeah you know I'm uh I might get into the Dolphins a little more on the best bets come around I don't want to spoil anything but we've got some cooking there I got to put my faith in Teddy B, though. I mean, got no other option right now. Patriots, probably one of the worst-looking offenses in the NFL right now. I don't care if they put up 18 points against the Bengals. Six of them were off of pick six, or seven of them were off of pick six. So, can't really get me to care much about that. It's Ramondre Stevenson and nobody else. Mac Jones, dirtiest player in the NFL at a quarterback. I don't know how that's possible. Um, I am concerned for Tua's health long-term, but for this week... I'm going to roll with the Dolphins. I think Bridgewater with a full um, – this is his first full week practicing with starters, by the way. So I think a week under his belt, very competent backup. Definitely, I think, good enough to get us through this week. One more thing, though. Uh, you were When you are talking about the Bengals and the Bills game, you said it's a litmus test for the Bengals. I'm the complete opposite. I think this is a litmus test for the Bills. I do not care about this six-game win streak the Bills are on right now. It has been the most fraudulent, or not the most, but one of the most fraudulent things I've seen all year. Struggle against the Bears. You can't put teams away. You can't cover the spread. They had to go forward on fourth down with like two minutes left in the game to put away uh, the Bears because, you know, I think their egos were a little hurt. The Bears kept it so close. Meanwhile, Bengals are over here playing lights out every week. You go down 17-0 to the Bucks, roar back, and destroy, destroy them in the second half. Uh, and Josh Allen hasn't looked great for about a month and a half now. So I think this is 100% a litmus test for the Bills and not the Bengals. With the Bills win here, I would say they are definitely reassuring themselves at the top of the AFC, saying, no doubts, we are the best. No more questioning how legit we are. And uh, if the Bengals win, it just continues to fuel, I think it fuels the Joe Burrow MVP conversation, one thing. And um, it does definitely cement their, their status at the top. Because they already have the win over the Chiefs. I know the Bills do too, but... I think the Bengals have just looked more consistent week in, week out the entire season than the Bills have. Yeah, um, I agree with a lot of what's already been said. Uh, I'll keep it brief. With the, with the Dolphins-Patriots game, I, I see it pretty similar to uh, the way the other guys do. I think, I think I'm think i taking the fins as well. Um, I think Teddy B is probably one of, if not the best backup quarterback in the NFL. Um, I think that, you know, I was really looking forward to seeing um, the, the old Bama quarterbacks uh, face off uh, in Tua versus Mac Jones. I always liked Tua more. I thought Mac was carried a lot by uh, that elite offense that he had. I mean, the guy had uh, 
just so many weapons in college. I don't think he has like elite arm talent uh, like most like like a lot of guys in the NFL do. Um, and and like y'all have said, like that offense has been pretty lackluster um, recently. So I'm taking I'm taking the Dolphins. Uh, you hate to see Tua get injured. Um, you know it, it is really scary, but I'm I'm glad he's you know sitting this one out um, and he's not like trying to play. I'm sure he would he, he would like to as a competitor, but um, yeah, it's it's really scary stuff. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, wasn't didn't he say that he he was the one to like self diagnose like his like symptoms like he was able to like realize that he was like in concussion. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, day after the game, he went into the team offices and and uh, reported his symptoms. So not even during the game, no one no one really knew this until the day after. Yeah, yeah. Prayers up for Tua. Hope you you know, hope you come back better and stronger, and a fierce fierce competitor. Yeah, and uh, by the way, I also want to use this as a quick note to check out Vinay's power rankings video. That's also up on the channel. It's kind of long, but uh, we go pretty in depth on, on how we're ranking the teams. Um, yeah, definitely check it out. Yep, yep, for sure, for sure. It's a, it's an interesting watch, and uh, yeah, you hate you hate to see it with Tua uh, as an NFL fan in general. Just scary stuff for sure. So, gonna get to some questions I have for you guys to discuss. Uh, this one is centered on the Cowboys. So, do you guys think? that the Cowboys are capable of winning a road playoff game because they're going to have to go on the road if they're, their path to the Super Bowl is on the road against some formidable opponents. Uh, we saw them handle business against the Titans recently. Um, but, yeah, I'm just wondering your guys' thoughts on the Cowboys and whether or not they're actually contenders this year on the road. Do one of y'all want to start real quick? I'm just looking at stats real quick. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I know we want to look at the Cowboys' defenses as somewhat fraudulent these last few weeks, but let's be real. They're going to be the five seed, which means you're playing either the Bucks on the road or the Panthers on the road. And while, to be straight up with you, my Super Bowl pick as of like a couple weeks ago, you know, beginning of the season, was, was the Buccaneers to make it there. I think Tom Brady is just, you know, I hate the guy, but I love him at the same time. It's... So it's a real dilemma. You know, Cowboys on the road, Bucks or Panthers, they'll handle that pretty easily. Those are under 500 teams that really barely even deserve a playoff spot. Um, so I think, yeah, if, if that's your question about just the wild card, then yeah. But if they have to go uh, and play a game on the road against the 49ers or the Eagles in the second round, um, that's a different story. But as far as the wild card goes with just Bucks or Panthers, they should be able to handle that pretty easily. Yeah, the, the stat I was looking up was um, their record on the road this year. I believe it's three and three. Um, someone can fact check me on that. But the game that really stands out to me is uh, going into Minnesota and beating the Vikings handedly, uh, forty to three. I think that game to me proves that you know on any given weekend or any given Sunday they can they can beat anyone on the road if they play well. Um, the question is what Cowboys team will we get on that given Sunday? I think they played pretty inconsistently throughout the year. Uh, pretty hard to predict. Uh, what kind of what version of the Cowboys we get? Um, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Vinay. I think you know a lot of their wins have been pretty fraudulent this year. Um, I think they're they're a pretty susceptible team, but they're also uh, a dangerous team that I would not choose to play um, if I didn't have to uh, with some other teams in the field. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't say much more than what has what has already said better. But uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't you know I wouldn't put it past you know Dak and Zeke and Diggs on defense to have a have an unreal game on a road playoff game. Um, so, yeah, I do think that, you know, 
they have the capability to do so. Yeah, certainly. Certainly, I like your point, Michael, of the 40 to 3 win on the road. I think that gets overlooked. Um, for me, it's just exciting as an NFL fan. What I've seen throughout my years of watching playoff football is it's definitely different. And there are teams that have that that pedigree, that locker room, that resilience to win a playoff game. And I just feel like once it once you get to the playoffs, and you know, seven and nine bucks or like a losing record team hosting the Cowboys. I think the record kind of gets thrown away and it's just all about, are you able to execute under the gun? And I think that it might not be as handed, but I think that the Cowboys are capable of winning a wild card game on the road. Not so much a divisional game though, but I think that you got to give playoff football some credit. I think the Bucks or the Panthers, if they were to host the Cowboys would give them some trouble. We've seen Dak with some turnover issues. Definitely the Bucks. The, the Bucks will definitely give them, especially if it's close. We all know Brady in the two-minute drill. Yep, yep, yeah. Definitely can't count on Brady, for sure. Um, on to my next question. This is a more of a philosophical overall question uh, about football and the NFL in general. So uh, some of you may not know, but I'm actually tuning in from India right now. I'm visiting my grandmother. So, you know, it's pretty pretty early morning for me. And late yesterday, actually, uh, my brother and I, we took our football to India and, you know, we were bored. So we went to a little local concrete slab uh, where all the local kids kind of play soccer and stuff, cricket at. And we brought our football and we were just throwing it around. And the surrounding kids sort of came around. They were like, what is that? Like, is that a rugby? Are you guys going to play rugby here? And they were like freaking out. We're like, no, this is American football. And we were teaching them how to throw the football and we actually played a little pickup game and I show them all like the one-on-ones and how to run routes and stuff. It was, it was a really fun experience, but it kind of got me thinking, you know, football, American football and the NFL as a brand, um, do you think it can succeed NFL, the NFL brand and football as a whole can succeed globally? And I'm not just talking about a few games in London. I'm talking about kids in a neighborhood park in some city across the world throwing a football around, playing pickup football, getting into the sport in general, and then, you know, the NFL kind of transitioning and professionally people getting into the sport as well. So I'm interested in your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, when when you think about, you know, young players, you know, what they aspire to be, let's say I'm a young player living in, let's say France, for example, and I look at, you know, famous, you know, athletes in my country, I think of, you know, Kareem Benzema, I think of Zinedine Zidane, for example, Right. I think, you know, when you have, you know, players from the country that, of your birth that you can look up to, you know, you're more inclined to, you know, play that sport. So like if I'm like, for example, a, a, a per, uh, an individual from Jamaica, I could look up to Usain Bolt and take up track and field. Or, you know, if I'm you know from India and I look up to Rod Kohli, I can, you know, take up cricket. So there's not that many international. I don't think there's any international. I, I mean, I, I don't want to say that. I don't know. I'm not actually sure about this, but I don't know how many international players are in the NFL right now. I don't even know if there's any. I can't name any off the top of my head. So there's think, more than anything, but yeah, okay, yeah. So, but, but yeah, I get your point. But there's definitely a few scattered. Yeah, so you know, I do think that you know the NFL playing games abroad is the right is a step in the right direction, but I think teams need to start, you know like putting like more effort into, you know, finding, you know, individuals who are interested in the sport, kind of developing them. And, you know, maybe, you know, the next, you know, 
Tom Brady can be found in England, for example, and then, you know, young players can look up to them and then over time, the sport can evolve to be more global. But, you know, it's it's going to take years, in my opinion. It's going to take years before, you know, it becomes a global sport. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of agree with that. But at the same time, the uh, the viewership numbers every year spike so heavily uh, for these international games. This year we had three international ones. And um, fact check me in the comments if I'm wrong. I do believe that's the most ever in one season. We had the London game, uh, the Germany game, and then most recently Mexico City. And all three of these games have been ridiculously high viewed. It's it's really incredible, honestly. And I know Roger Goodell has done a lot of talking about he wants two teams in England, he wants a team in Germany. Um, Mexico City has been great for a team. And, and just a side note there, the home field advantage you would get in Mexico City with that altitude is ridiculous. You had players taking oxygen on the sideline at the end of the first quarter. I don't know the last time I've seen that. But um, so I think the game every year expands so much. But at the same time, uh, the NFL can just let basketball and uh, American soccer dominate the global markets. They don't even have to care because their viewership numbers in the U.S. dominate so heavily uh, compared to other markets that it doesn't even matter to them what goes on globally. Like They, they can let uh, France dominate in the basketball scene with guys like Victor Wembanyama. It doesn't matter. They, those could be your idols. We're, we do so well here in America that it, it's kind of whatever. But no, the, the viewership I mean- goes up every year. I mean, you know, there's 350 or 360 million people in America, but there's also eight other billion people that live globally. So your access no, to no, that no. market is is something that I think, you know, Roger Goodell and the NFL, you know, should be looking to do because they can make more money or more viewership. That's that's why they're doing it right now. Yeah, that's yeah. why they've gone crazy these last few years, expanding every year to a, a new country. Uh, realistically, I see, I don't know how you would be able to put teams in London and Germany with just the travel hours that you would need to do for road games. I don't know how that would work, but uh, Mexico City, I think, is insanely realistic, and I, I hope that happens soon. I'm sure that would be the first one on the expansion list. So, yeah, I, I like the way they're trending globally. Every year, the views go up. The London game between uh, – I'm, I'm actually going to mix that up. The Germany game was Seahawks and Bucks. That was one of the most viewed games all year. So I think that was great for the sport. Every year, these views go up. Let's see what happens next year. But, uh, yeah, I love Goodell's plans when it comes to Europe and Mexico City expanding. Yeah, um, kind of piggybacking with what y'all said. I, I, I honestly don't really think it's going to happen uh, at least any time in the near future. Um, you know, you look at other sports like baseball, basketball, those have seen a lot of expansion, baseball, East Asia, uh, basketball, Europe. Um, but we haven't seen it really happen in the NFL. Um, and I, I understand those sports happened about, you know, three or four decades before American football really um, started uh, in Canton, Ohio. Um, but I, I think that you know, it's, I, I just think there's so much competition with other sports in other countries. For instance, like if you're anywhere, if you're living anywhere in Europe, um, the number one sport you're going to uh, like, aspire to like, grow up and become a great athlete in is soccer. Um, there, there's no question about it, unless, you know, maybe there's like a few people playing basketball, but you're like pretty much about uh, like any other place in the world. Um, like Vinay said, and by the way, that's like a super cool story you told. Like that's that's super dope that you're able to do that. But um, like like you kind of said, like those kids have never heard of American football before, and I think that that's true for you know the majority of the world. I think from like an economic standpoint, I don't know necessarily that it makes sense for the NFL to, to do that, just because there is so much competition on like the global stage. Um, you'd have to do so much marketing to kind of get people to flip, um, you know, their centuries you know, of habits of of playing certain sports. Um, 
And I do think it'd be so dope to see um, how like other other countries produce talent um, compared to the NFL, um, getting guys into the NFL. Um, that, that would just be amazing. But I, I honestly don't see it happening. It hasn't happened yet for, for a reason. And I think that, you know, it's mostly like Sam said, it's because the NFL has been pretty successful in the United States. They don't really need to like they, they kind of have a, a monopoly over they, they are the biggest sport in, in the Christmas. Uh, the Christmas Day viewership number just supported a point, too. Like it, yeah, was, exactly. it was so lopsided compared to the NBA. Yeah, yeah, it, it's crazy. Um, would love to see it. I just don't see it happening anytime in the future, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I, I agree with the NFL. Like their efforts for Mexico City, Germany and London are, you know, they, they should be applauded. But yeah, seeing them and having a presence in like, numerous continents besides Europe and North America, I don't really see. Uh, I think uh, his yeah, he was on his last leg. He was on like 1%. Before we move off the NFL, there was one more thing I wanted to ask you guys because it kind of developed in the last day or two. What are we thinking about the Derek Carr situation? And uh, what, do we, what do we think happens this offseason with Derek Carr? Getting benched for Jared Stidham and a shocking move, kind of signifying the Raiders almost looking to move off of him in the offseason. What, what do we think it happens in this? And uh, what were your initial reactions? All right, what's up? Guy, I'm back. Sorry, I cut out, you know, connection issues in India here, kind of in the trenches. But, uh, yeah, so just touching on that question about the Google brand of the NFL and football, I agreed with what Sam said. He made a great point about how they don't really need it right now. They're dominating the United States. They're making efforts, concerted efforts that are succeeding right now but on a smaller scale. And, um, yeah, I just think for me it's like – not necessarily the NFL, professional football, but what can the NFL do to get the game of football played like in households and parks and, you know, just like teaching kids about the game and getting them to love it. Cause I know like it's a really fun game objectively, in my opinion, you know, just throwing it around, not necessarily on a professional standpoint, but yeah, I think it's interesting to think about, you know, how can we just get the game of football to where people know that when I pull up with a football to the lot, they think, okay, that's a football, not a rugby ball. You know what I mean? So that, that's kind of what I'm Pull up to the local concrete slab. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't want people thinking I'm going to try to truck them in rugby. No, I'm just having a casual game of catch. And, uh, yeah, so actually then uh, Sam posed a really interesting question about the Raiders and Derek Carr. So on that note, I think it's it's really upsetting to see how things turned out. I'm a I'm a fan of Derek Carr objectively. I think you know he's had some resilience. I remember back in the day uh, when he had an MVP caliber season. The injury was just so unfortunate, and that Raiders team had a lot of promise to go deep in the playoffs. Now seeing how it's gone with you know they're going they're going all in on him, giving him all the weapons, giving him Devontae. I mean, objectively, you have to say, I mean, it didn't work out. You know his. No, career should be done. Renfro, too, with injuries a lot of the year. Yeah, it was just – and I didn't like the hire of McDaniels either. Uh, he had his exactly. chance and he kind of blew it. Uh, wasn't really an exciting hire for me that, that corresponded to all the exciting moves they made in the offseason. So, yeah, really unfortunate, but I'm looking forward to him joining a team. Don't think he's going to be joining a contender. Uh, will most likely be joining a middle-of-the-pack or a rebuilding team. But hopefully, resurrect his career there. Yeah, in kind of a, a similar vein, I, kind of upsetting to see that you know it didn't pan out well for him. Uh, I was kind of rooting for him. I love like I like watching the guy. Uh, had a couple of, of pre- pretty solid seasons, um, but you know, 
kind of unfortunate it didn't count for him. Um, I hope wherever he goes, he can kind of make a comeback uh, and really get back on the map. But everything else, Vinay kind of already touched on. Uh, not gonna, you know, be too repetitive. So, yeah, I mean, sure. I in in terms of Devontae Adams as a fan, but not you know an advocate for his you know violent antics that got him like a misdemeanor during the course of the season. Um, um, you know, he he's a machine. You know, with a good QB behind him. Uh, so you know, best wishes to him. Hopefully, you know the Raiders can put you know a good QB on the team that you know can help him you know reach his full potential. But yeah, uh, me personally, I was shocked by the Derek Carr bench. I mean, I can understand that you're this late in the year, all but eliminated. Might as well. Uh, I guess after reading more, they did that mutually so that he wouldn't receive an injury because he's not going to be on the Raiders next year. They've made that pretty clear. Uh, I think me and Colin Cowherd might be the two biggest Derek Carr fans in America at this point because I'm, you know, not ridiculously high on the guy, but he's like a top 12, maybe borderline top 10 quarterback. And uh, he, I don't think he's going to, a, you know, some rebuilding team or some middle pack team. A team that is on the verge of contending is going to trade for this man because they believe, and frankly, I believe, that he's a piece that can take them over the edge. I know throughout the year I've said, you know, if Tua is bad, I honestly wouldn't mind a guy like Carr on my team with Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, and the rest. Uh, the Jets are – I don't like that as a Dolphins fan that he could go to the Jets, but the Jets are such an ideal landing spot for him. You have Garrett Wilson, uh, Elijah Moore has come out of nowhere with Mike White. You got Brees Hall coming back, Michael Carter, Robinson, all these guys in elite, elite defense. If you put Carr on that team, that is a problem for the rest of the AFC. Uh, so not only that, but now Carr gone. That was the only reason Devontae Adams was there. So let's keep an eye on him, too, and see if he wants out. But uh, those are my thoughts. I think I think Carr can do great things if he's put in the right situation. I think he was dealt dirty with uh, with a, you know injuries on the offense and Renfro and Waller. And a, a subpar defense, frankly, and what the Raiders have. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think if no one else has any. All right. With, uh, I think if no one else has any other thoughts, we can transition to the last segment of our podcast, the best bet section, where we give you our best bets for the upcoming week. And we talk about our last week bets. So I'll go first. Last week, I kind of folded. I went one for three on the Manchester City of Liverpool Carabao Cup game. Uh, the bets that I took were the Han first score, a uh, Han first player to score, which was a hit. Manchester City first half money line, which I lost, and total corners nine and a half, which I lost. Liverpool played some beautiful, beautiful counterattacking football against the Manchester City press and uh, kind of, you know, came out of the gate saying, um, you know, we're, we're still a, a contending team for top four. And uh, not, we're not to be subbed on, which uh, unfortunately I subbed on Mr. Klopp. And uh, unfortunately, there were a total of eight corners, a little bit of bad luck there. But um, the game's a game, and I lost the game that week. But this year, uh, this week, uh, I'm pretty confident in these, a little bit unconventional. Uh, both of the, uh, so I'm, I'm doing bets on two games uh, Brentford versus West Ham and Liverpool versus Leicester City, which are happening on December 30th at 2 45 p.m. Eastern Standard. Um, the first one is Brentford money line plus two eighty. Um, I don't think that West Ham will keep will be able to keep up with Brentford, who are currently sitting tenth in the Premier League versus sixteenth for West Ham. West Ham has West Ham have had a pretty disappointing beginning of the season. Um, you know, with stars like Declan Rice, Mikel Antonio, 
Gianluca Scamacca um, haven't really been producing that much offensively, uh, whereas Brentford's Ivan Tony has been balling out this season. Um, I'll get a little bit more in-depth on him. But, um, you know, I, uh, one downfall that Brentford have is a little bit of clinicality. Where they, they do have the most draws in the Premier League. But I think, you know, with West Ham being the team that they are, I do think that they'd be able to put them away. So I'm pretty confident putting my money there. Uh, secondly, first player to score, Ivan Tony versus West Ham to, at plus 350. Ivan Tony has been a, was a, is him this season for Brentford. Uh, in their last game versus Tottenham, Brentford fans were shining at Harry Kane. Uh, Ivan Tony would have hit that, uh, would have scored that, uh, um, indicating you know Ivan Tony would have scored the penalty versus France, which would have which which would have changed the complete landscape of England's World Cup. Um, you know he has ten goals and fourteen appearances this season. Last year it was twelve goals and thirty three appearances. So this is clearly his year, and he's shining to the potential he has. And um, you know. Ivan Tony has scored in games versus City, Manchester City, um, in the late comeback, and uh, you know they've played again. They've um, they've had a really tough schedule facing the likes of Arsenal and Tottenham, who are top four teams. So I do think you know uh, Ivan Tony is the first goal scorer there versus West Ham. And finally, I think you know the safest bet of the of my three is just taking the Liverpool money line versus Leicester City. Um, not a huge winnings at minus three thirty five, but. Um, you know, this should be an easy game for Liverpool to get back on track in the league. Um, you know, coming off a, a the pretty, you know, it was a disappointing loss versus Manchester City, but they played the best that they could. And uh, I do think it was a pretty good game. And Leicester's been super poor uh, in the league. So, uh, yeah, Liverpool should win that game. If not, if you take the Leicester City money line, then then good for you. But I wouldn't be taking that. But, yeah, overall, I'm, I went one for three. So my overall record is not three for six. Hopefully, you're gonna make it uh, six for nine. Yeah, uh, love the numbers that I wrote on. So I'm I'm a three out of five right now. Uh, the reason it's time of six is because I kind of messed up. I won't lie. Uh, I did not realize it at the time, but Mississippi State Illinois that game is not until January second for some reason. Um, so waiting on that game to be played. Um, I did go two for two, and maybe even three for three if you want to count it. Um, uh, last week, so I had uh, Washington Huskies money line plus 150. Uh, they just beat uh, just a couple of minutes ago. They just beat Texas 27 to 20. I was telling y'all, there's no way they're going to stop uh, that Washington pass attack. Uh, I was not high on Texas at all. Um, so that 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 hit. Um, and then I also think Vegas mega messed up on this North Carolina um, Oregon game. Uh, yeah, I think we all agree on that. Yeah, the plus 15 line for North Carolina was absolutely disrespectful, but I think what was even more messed up on Vegas' part is they had the over-under at 73 and a half. And I think one thing they definitely overlooked, which, mind you, the actual total score of that game was 55 points. Uh, the line was at 70 and a half. Uh, the one thing they had to look at was the fact that both North Carolina and Oregon were both without their offensive coordinators in this game. How could you possibly have a line that's set at 73 and a half when that is the case? Um I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. Um, so yeah, both of those hit. I'll count it as two for two um, on the week so far. Could easily be three for three, but I'm not going to give myself, you know, bonus points or anything. Um, so now I'm at, I'm sitting at three out of five. Um, and remember, my other pick is Mississippi State money line versus Illinois. I think they're the slight underdog, but I think they can get it done. I think, like Sam said earlier, a lot of teams, uh, to his point, I will admit, are not playing amazing defenses in these bowl games. And I think, um, although Illinois does have an elite defense, I think that. You know, Mississippi State's going to be able to kind of open things up uh, against Illinois. Uh, so for this upcoming week, my three locks, 
first, I'm taking Purdue to cover against LSU. The line is currently at 14 and a half. I love that half point. It kind of proves to me that, you know, they just can't lose by, what, 14 and a half. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't think LSU um, cares about this game super like, uh, like a ton, to be honest. Seems like the SEC, um, they're, like, I think it's like one in three right now uh, in bowl games. The SEC, you know, doesn't really care a lot. Um, there also could be some internal problems uh, in, uh, with LSU. Uh, Keishon Butte, I just announced yesterday he's going to be heading to the draft. Um, remember, he previously said he was coming back next year. I think there could be some internal strife there for LSU. An interesting story. Um, yeah, I don't think that LSU beats them by more than 14 points. I think Purdue is able to kind of keep it somewhat close uh, in this game. Uh, then my second law, Bama to cover versus TCU. Talked about it a little bit earlier, but I do think Saban is going to kind of send a statement to the rest of co- the college football world and say, you know, we're still right here. We're still Bama. Uh, lastly, I'm taking Ohio to win and cover versus Wyoming. The line is at minus two and a half. Um, I don't think Wyoming is going to be able to, you know, stop Ohio pass attack. Uh, it's been pretty prolific this season uh, and in previous years as well. Um, but, you know, outside of their loss to, to Toledo earlier in the season, um, Ohio, you know, hadn't lost since October 1st uh, in a game that went to overtime. So this is an Ohio team that's pretty hot outside of you know, this previous week. Um, but, yeah. Uh, and I also, you know, won't count this as my fourth bet, but, if you're looking for a fourth thing to add, um, I like Clemson money line um, to beat uh, Tennessee, probably to cover it as well uh, for the previous reasons after mentioned earlier in the video. But yeah. Oh, I also kind of want to extend uh, the same kind of thing that Vinay did earlier. You know, if for some reason I go over three, or if I'm just doing trouble like a couple weeks in a row, um, drops drop some some dares or some. If anyone goes over three, if any four of us go over three. Yeah, the first one to go over three is going to have to do something in the comments. So drop them in the comments what you what we have to do to go over three. Um, I think Rohan is kind of saving himself picking Liverpool uh, to beat Leicester, but whatever. Uh, that was fine. before I knew that if I went over. All right, bro. Yeah, whatever. I mean, Leicester could upset, and Ivan Tony could outscore first, and Brentford could lose. So. Dude, it's anyway. minus 335. I mean, maybe, but whatever. We'll see. All right, I'll, I'll go next. Last week was a little rough. I went one for three, but my lock did hit. I had a lock of the week, and those Bengals minus three and a half, and the Patriots scared the you, – you know what out of me with that, that late comeback. But, no, we covered minus three and a half, one by four. We're good. Lock hits, one of three. Uh, for this week, I've got Golden State Warriors money line plus, plus 115. That is, well, when you're watching it tonight, Friday night. Uh, they're at home against the Trailblazers, not the best Trailblazers team. And uh, I think Jordan Poole has really filled in nice lately for uh, Steph. We saw him play good on Christmas Day. It's him, Clay, Draymond. They got the whole crew there. I, I believe Wiggins is back. I'm not 100% sure if he's on a pitch count or anything. But um, he, he should be there. So the Warriors are a great home team this year. Not good on the road at all, but they're at home for this. So I will take the Golden State Warriors. My next one, kind of what Vinay hit at, Panthers money line against the Bucks, They are not favored. It is plus 145. Uh, a do-or-die game for both teams, so I do get why Vegas is leaning towards Brady. Me, personally, the Panthers are scorching hot, and they cooked me last weekend against the Lions. I put my faith in the Lions. Panthers, you messed up huge, so I'm running with you this week. And for the last one, I kind of spoiled it earlier, but it is Teddy time. It is Dolphins' money line, but not only is it Teddy time. It is. Now, stay with me for one second here. Oh, my Lord. It's Tyreek time. And we've got the New Jersey that we are breaking out. 
Okay, okay. For this game. Yeah, that's it actually Tyreek time. That's lean, lean. It is Teddy time, and it is Tyreek time, and we are doing this. We are making the playoffs behind Teddy Bridgewater. Dolphins money line, plus 140-something. Hammer it, send it in. We're doing this, baby. Three for three, let's lock in. Uh, my lock of the week, though, is the Dolphins money line. I'm going to be really biased right there. So yeah, maybe, Sam, maybe, maybe not exactly lock, but it's my lock. Sam, I will say, if for some reason the Dolphins don't win, I'm rooting for the Dolphins too, don't get wrong. We will have that clip stitched at the beginning of the next episode. <laughs> and you, and, and I don't know what's going to happen after, but it will be hilarious. Uh, so I'm, just, well, I'm, I'm putting just a lot of faith in, in my guys. Okay. Also, before Vinay, before you give your best bets of the of the week, can I just say that the Panthers QB single handedly was the reason why I lost my fantasy football semifinals? <laughs> like, oh my god, I never expected this man to pop off like that, and I lost like like at least seventy dollars because of it. But wait, I'll you ask. lost? You lost, or you and your teammate lost? Oh yeah, me and John have lost seventy dollars. I say me because okay. John is not here right now. But yeah. Okay, shout out, Jenna. He, shout he's out. trying to exclude you and stuff, but yeah. All right, shut up, bro. <laughs> All right. All right. So now to recap my best bets, best bets segment last week, I said I would do some unspeakable things this week if I went over three. That nearly happened. It was quite the scare. Luckily, the Jaguars beat the Jets handily, so I was kind of comfortable. But then you know, a little bit of heartbreak for my next two bets last week. Uh, Pepperdine against Hawaii, Rainbows Warriors. Pepperdine, you know, I was checking the score of that game. They were doing pretty well, keeping it close, keeping it close. Then for some reason, they took a nap in the last few minutes, and Hawaii pulled away by less than double digits. It was really uh, upsetting because I was I was really high on Pepperdine. You know, I thought you know Rainbow Warriors are kind of frauds. You know, a little bit too self indulgent with that name. And uh, yeah, Pepperdine was just kind of simple. Vinay, we might have to check the tape on that because I don't know if I just misheard you, but I said fade. I heard you say fade Pepperdine or whatever. I, so I, I took, thought you picked Hawaiian Rainbows Warriors to win the game. Yeah, I took in my bets. I took in my bets to Hawaii to win. I do and, remember and, him and, and fading Hawaii. I'm not gonna lie. I might side with Vinay here. So we we might yeah. have to go back and check the tape. Do a little review. Uh, the Rainbows Warriors. I don't know. I might have. I remember, I remember taking, but I'm glad someone made money off of, <laughs> off of that game. Hold on, I'm v, I'm so. VAR checking right now. I'm going back to last. Yeah, I, I'm not going to say I'm, I, I'm not making money off that game. Part of a 12th leg parlay that did not last very long at all. So no, it, it went horrible. Honestly, I was checking in on it today. Yeah. All right, yeah, Rohan, we can just check the tape later, man. Uh, you want to continue on? Sorry for for cutting you off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, tough beat in that game. You know, credit the Rainbow Warriors. I guess you lived up to your name. Uh, then for the next one, I took Kansas to beat Arkansas. You know, people were overlooking Kansas, that meant Jaden Daniels, and it was a heartbreaking finish. You know, they really put up a fight. You know, got to give them credit. I definitely vindicated my faith in them. I don't think they really was played. On- oh, sorry. It was, uh, it was Bean, my boy. Right. Thanks for thanks for checking me on that. Going hard, you know, fighting, nearly coming back, pulling off a miraculous miraculous win. Uh, two point conversion, unfortunately, did not hit, and so I ended up that one. by, yeah, I know that that was painful to watch it because was. I thought it, I thought it was going to be, yeah, lost that one by two. So I went one for three overall, four for six. So 
a little bit of a slump after my first week, uh, after I caught fire the first week. So uh, for this upcoming week, I'm looking at the Steelers and the Ravens. Uh, I'm taking the Steelers to win that game. Uh, money line, I believe the odds are plus 145. I just think that Tomlin has that team playing some tough smash mouth football. Always play the Ravens well. That game is always full of fireworks. Rarely a, a huge high-scoring blowout. So Lamar is questionable as well. From my betters out there, take that line, Mullets. Also, like the Steelers just yeah. had that black Air Force One energy from the beginning of the season. So, yeah, they're bringing that energy, and, and I'm backing them too. I'm bringing that black Air Force energy to my bet segment this week. Steelers plus one forty-five. Uh, next up, we got Maryland versus NC State. I'm rolling with my boy Talia Tungavailoa. He's playing in that game. Uh, NC State a little bit more uncertainty over who's going to start at the quarterback position. Um, taking Maryland Maryland money line at minus one fifteen. Uh, you know, I, the line is very close. I think the spread is at plus one right now or minus one. So that game, uh, Vegas thinks it's going to be close. I think that the quarterback gives Maryland the slight edge. So I'm taking them over NC State. And finally, uh, Rohan uh, actually touched on this exact bet, but I'm taking Brentford money line versus West Ham uh, at plus 280. I just think that, you know, West Ham right now, let me quickly, yeah, they're coming off of four losses and a win. Uh, Brentford a little bit all over the place with their draws. They're a tough team to beat. I don't think that West Ham have the firepower right now to win. And I think that Brentford, you know, keep their consistent streak alive against a real West Ham team. And uh, yeah. If I go 0 for 3, you already know. It's it's game over. It's, it's game yeah, over if, so. anyone, if any one of us goes 0 for 3. So There's a very I, real chance I go 0 for 3 this week. The other nah, picks the, were made the, with the my heart and not my head. The Dolphins will save you. I'll buy Black Air Forces every day for a month. If the, if the Steelers – no, not the Steelers, but if I go 0 for 3, catch me with Black Air Forces every day, whatever. I don't know, something like that. but. Okay. I'm just feeling this best right now. So, yeah. All right. Well, drop some suggestions in the comments on what you know the punishment's got to be. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not gonna say it has to be like fantasy football, like last place level punishment. You know, going over three is not nearly as bad. You got like so many weeks to to prove yourself in fantasy, but it it can be pretty bad. It can be pretty bad. So, so we shall see. Uh, make sure to like, subscribe, turn on those noties, uh, share the video with other people who might be interested. And I think that's all we got, right? Any other closing statement, boys? Yeah, also, real quick, be on the lookout for a few mini episodes this week. Vinay and I are going to be doing a club soccer breakdown. Also, I think uh, Sam will be doing a NBA breakdown. I've got an uh, NBA coming your way. Michael and I have a CFP playoff recap coming your way next week. That's another one. Me and him going to be locking in, talking about whoever won. Uh, so that's three episodes right there. Um, who knows? Let me know. Do you guys want some baseball content let's let's hear it and uh, what else we want in the future but well, for sure three three mini episodes coming your way next week plus our big pod it's going to be a loaded week and i'm looking forward to it yeah and, and like sam just said if there's some other sports y'all want to see definitely let us know i know we got some U- ufc guys that we can get in like jonah we got baseball uh we can cover unfortunately uh ton of other stuff but yeah just let us know in the comments uh definitely want to see some stuff so Appreciate it. Also, also follow our Instagram. I'm gonna put it in the description. Oh, uh, we'll be we'll be posting 
uh, stories and posts whenever we upload a YouTube video. TikTok coming soon. TikTok coming soon. Yeah, we will be posting some clips from our podcast. Probably the first clip will be the Roll Jesus clip on on our TikTok. But uh, hype <laughs> it up too much. Just let it rip it. Just let it naturally, like you know, grow. Yeah. You're already cut that out, bro. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, right. with that, yeah, I think that I think that it wraps it up. Uh, thank you for for watching. As always, yeah, next week. Yeah, go Gators, go Bills, and be easy. Peace out.